Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Ross M, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, September 30th, 2022. Today we are reading from the Big Book and more about alcoholism. Page 31, the third paragraph. We do not like to pronounce any individual ending, and if you get a full knowledge of your condition. Today's readers are... For the 12 steps, Jeannie R. 12 traditions, Matthew G. Reading in text is Pens and P. Page 164 is Anne Marie M. Our backup readers, Janice PM. Newcomer readers, Loretta M. And second hour host is Karen K. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, September 29, 2022. The 7 a.m. meeting, Eastern Time, is 19,464. Four six four. The ten a.m. Eastern Time Meeting one nine four six five. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry a message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of 12 steps and 12 traditions of overeaters and honest. I will now ask Jeannie R. to read this steps, 12 steps. Good morning. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, the 12 steps of debt is anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Sorry, wrong program. Two, came to believe that a power <clears throat> greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. <coughs> Excuse me. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives <coughs> over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, made a searching, searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our fields. And I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Jeannie. Next up with the 12th tradition is Matthew G. Hi, this is Matthew G. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. 
Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in a group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks a lot for allowing me to be of service. Thanks, Matthew. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book about folks anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask you to keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what directions, what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In, in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. So, today, we are in More About Alcoholism, the third paragraph. And we're just reading that paragraph. It's page 31. Um, there we go. We do not like to pronounce any individual ending with if you get a full knowledge of the condition. We're just reading that paragraph, page 31, third paragraph. And I have asked uh, Tenzin P., to start us off today. Good morning, uh, Russ and everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from uh, New York. Um, gratefully recovering in this program. We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a bad case of jitters if you get full knowledge of your condition. 
and I'm going to set my timer. All right, uh, so we're really in the nitty-gritty of the book. Well, there's so many nitty-gritties of this uh, beautiful big book. Uh, but um, so the person who really needs to be convinced is moi, me. And um, the symptoms that we read in the last paragraph, uh, you know, those, it made my hair stand on end and gave me goosebumps yesterday when we read those again, because those were a lot of my convincers. I, um, but in terms of this paragraph, um, step over to the nearest bar room, try some controlled drinking. I will say as a sidebar here that one of my uh, very respected mentors, guides, who has decades of AA recovery, uh, says uh, that he would never recommend this to someone who is an alcoholic because they might end up killing themselves or, uh, you know, getting into a car and kill, killing someone else. Uh, but it, that's just a, a sidebar. But um, I, as a, as a recovering um, uh, person with food addiction, I um, tried many times uh, stepping over to the nearest 24-hour uh, um, uh, food store, buying uh, gallons of ice cream, uh, eating them, throwing them up, you know, this uh, with a lot of shame, hoping that they would never see if I came back to the same store and it was the same clerk. Uh, but I would say that um, it will not take you long to decide if you are honest with yourself. What's helped is the honesty and the clarity um, and the wisdom and the skill that I learn in these rooms, particularly on our wonderful uh, Vision for You meetings. It has changed my whole approach to my recovery, hearing what you all have to share in, in this regard. So let's see, the last thing I would say, besides the whole list of you know, physical symptoms, it's the bedevilments that we talk about, um, that, that the rest of the steps um, uh, 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 brings us to an understanding of and freedom from the bedevilments on page 52 in the big book are also what convinced me that I really had a problem that was not going to be solved by just changing my habits with food. And um, at this point, I look forward to hearing what everyone else has to say. And I pass, wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you. All right, Tenzin, thank you very much. And like we said, we're on page 31, more about alcoholism. And that, that third paragraph, just for that paragraph. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day that others may share our experience, their experience too. So if you uh, share it on Wednesday or Thursday, please step back. Lines are open for sharing. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Katie G. From Boston? Okay, one second. Barbara E. From New Jersey. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I think I got Nessa. There's someone else before there, in between there. 
Sorry, I got Katie, Melissa C, Yohan, Nessa, but there was somebody in there. We got Barbara. It was Senator C from Fort Worth. Anne-Marie M. That's what it was. Anne-Marie. Sorry about that. Anne-Marie. Which M, one? Anne-Marie M or Anne-Marie K? There's two of us. M. M. Okay. Barbara E. Okay. I got you, Barbara. You did. Thanks. Yeah. Seneca T. And then there was one more. Katie, Melissa, Yohan, Anne-Marie, Nessa, Seneca T, and Barbara E. Was there someone else? I will. Who was that? Anne Marie Kay. That's it, Anne Marie Kay. That's um. Barb W. If there's room. All right, Barb. Thanks. All right. So that's our list. First up is Katie G. Hey, Russ. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Katie. Hey. Ah, this is Katie G. Recovering. Well, sorry, excuse me. I did it again, but the wrong way. I am recovered from for today from anorexia, bulimia, and compulsive eating. You know, um, the thing with this disease is I'm the only one that can diagnose myself. And um, for me, recently, it started with lying, right? Like this lying that, like this knowing inside that I'm lying about doing extra exercise and just knowing that I'm cutting myself off from God and knowing that it's a problem. And I like push it to the back of my mind, right? Like there's this center inside of me. And that's the way it was with food. It was like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it because it's my special thought. And the problem is as soon as that's my special thought, God is gone. Right. And so years I had a couple years that I was exercising and getting on the scale and getting thinner and thinner, and I was dying, and I couldn't see my family, right? And then an angel from this room said to me, try putting it down for 30 days, exercise. And I, the first time I heard her say that, I thought she was bat crazy because who puts it down for 30 days? That's absolutely unacceptable, and I was paralyzed. And that's when I know I got an issue. Because normal people, if they're told, they have my husband, you have a dying, debilitating, gonna kill you disease, buddy. If you just put it down for 30 days, like, see what happens. He'd be like, all right, well, that's kind of annoying, but I'm going to do it, right? And so the thing is, inevitably, if it's just a food that I think I can get away with, right, like a stick of gum, or how about a Diet Coke, right? Like, I can have one. I can have one. How come in three months I'm having 24 cans? I'm going to BJ's, buying two cases, right, enough to feed a family, and I'm drinking them all in one day, right? And so the great thing is that if you're on the line right now, you have a place inside, deep down in every one of us. It's a fundamental idea of God. And thanks be to God to the woman who said to me, put it down for 30 days. Because, And thanks be to God to the woman who was brave enough to say to me, you are sick, right, Katie, you need help. Because that voice finally cracked into my skull and into that place that knew that exercise and being thin and getting on the scale was my God. And the only thing I could do was put it down. 
because I was lying to myself and it was the final frontier and I put it down and it was hard. If it's scary to you to put something down, like normal people, that's not, or typical people, that's not what happens, you know, and thanks be to God, I put it down and God has entered into my mind and into my heart in a way that is indeed miraculous. And that's, that's the solution. So, you know, if you're not sure, try 30 days, see what happens. That's all I got. Thanks, Katie. Next up is Melissa C. Followed by Johan. Hi. Good morning, Ross. Thanks so much for your Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Um, I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, I know nobody needed to diagnose me. And, and it's also not my job to tell anyone else that they have a problem. You know, if someone asks, I can, I can give them my, you know, my opinion a little bit. But we don't diagnose people, you know, off on the streets and pull people aside and say, "Think you got a problem with this?" Um, because step one is only achieved through self-diagnosis, and this is a disease whose entire remedy is dependent on that internal conceding. So. You know, I think if we declare that someone else has this problem, if I told someone that they're an addict, maybe I'm keeping them from taking a true step one, and maybe what I'm really giving them is frothy emotional appeal, right? And that doesn't work. So, But I think, you know, this idea about experimentation, it is a good activity to do or to discuss with someone when they're trying to determine if a specific food is an issue, you know, people are like, well, I don't know if I should be eating this or not eating that. And I came in here with a lot of diet knowledge and, you know, I don't give people a list of foods that are safe or unsafe, but if they're uncertain, then I do what was done for me. You know, if you're unsure, my sponsor said, well, measure out a serving size, limit it to one meal. See what you discover. You know, sometimes in just, for me, in just the measuring out of the food, the answer became really clear. Like just putting it in the measuring cup, weighing it out, I was immediately pissed. <laughs> like for me, it was pasta. I was like, I don't know if I can eat it. And I measured it out, and I was like, there is no way that that's going to do it. And And I found like if it's actually quieter in my head, than to eat it in a weighed and measured portion, then leaving it alone, you know, is best. And But the difficulty lies in the being honest with yourself about it and the jitters. You know, the jitters are god-awful, and they're often too much, and, and yet I know the only convincing is that full knowledge of ourselves, that internal knowing. And, you know, here's my truth, like, once I know it, I can't unknow it. It's like once the bell is rung, once someone lovingly pointed out to me, gum is a problem for you. It looks like gum is something you're struggling to moderate. I couldn't unknow it. And, um, you know, that's the inner concession. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Next up is Johan and uh, followed by uh, A. Maria. Hey, good morning, Ross. My name is John. Good morning. 
Good morning. And I'm a recovered compulsive war in Sweden. Thank you so much for service this morning or this afternoon, as it is here on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a tough paragraph. It's a tough paragraph. Um, I needed to be convinced, uh, you know, really convinced beyond beyond reasonable doubt, uh, really. And the only thing that could, uh, you know, ever convince me was the food or maybe more correct, the, the pain that I get from eating the food. That pain will convince me and uh, convince me that, and it did convince me that I am a compulsive overeater. And, uh, and uh, that I am hopeless. And to my knowledge, this is the only disease where we diagnose ourselves, you know, that I am a compulsive overeater when I, when I, when I say that I am. And I'm, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful that, you know, the food and the pain from the food eventually convinced me that I am, I am one of you, I, I have this disease. And from that, from that angle, you know, I, I got into recovery. I, I started to do what I needed to do to get a sponsor, to work the steps and to have a daily program. And for me, you know, the, um, what I get from OA today is so much, much bigger. Or what I get from OA, what I get from God, what I get from recovery, then, you know, th that reward is endless and is so much bigger than the reward from the food ever was, you know. But it really takes for me to have a daily program to just continue to do step 10, 11, and 12 to the best of my ability every day in one day at a time. But you know, nine days of 10, this is a joy. I love it. I love being in program. I feel great, you know, I'm happy. Uh, I'm joyous, I'm free. <laughs> and on the 10th day, you know, I feel like, oh man, do I have to do this again today? Oh, jeez. But uh, you know, those are the days that I really need to do this and maybe even double up, you know, do twice as much outreach and increase my uh, morning meditation and, and, you know. But uh, it's amazing that there is a solution and that I get to live in the solution one day at a time. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for life and, you know, and, and, and everything. And all that is thanks to this great program, to God and to the 12 steps. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I'll pause. Thanks, Johan. Next up is Anne Marie Ann. Followed by Nessa. Nessa will be on after her. Good morning, uh, Russ. This is Anne Marie M. in South Carolina. Uh, and through God's grace, recovered from compulsive overeating. So, uh, you know, so much has been said that, that I was going <laughs> to, that, you know, I had thought about saying, but. Um, I don't think repetition is bad in this case. I cannot tell anyone else that they are a compulsive overeater. And if someone told me that, I would be defiant. You know, it talks about that in the 12 and 12, about how most alcoholics are defiant. And I certainly am. I would pr try to prove that. Well, I did try to prove them wrong when, when I heard that sugar was could be as addictive as, uh, as cocaine. 
I, I said, there's no way, you know, I can handle it. I'm going to eat when I'm hungry and I'm going to stop when I'm full. And I tried that probably for 20 years on and off, in and out of OA, 20 years on and off. And I had to, I had to figure it out myself. You know, it took me a long time to finally say, okay, I am powerless over this food. I am powerless over some ingredients. And I wouldn't say food was over. There are certain ingredients found in food that I cannot tolerate. And so I had to look at that and had to eliminate those things. And I heard someone say that my brain does not know the difference between a Diet Coke and an ice cream sundae. If it's sweet on my tongue, it causes a craving. So I... When I heard that, that, that made a lot of sense to me. I remember listening to Ruth M. talking about how she couldn't drink Diet Coke, that it would set her up. And I thought, this is really early on, and I thought, well, I can drink it, you know. And there I was, wasn't able to stay abstinent at all, but I'm thinking I can do better than her. Um, just create, just that little ego. Um, I'm grateful. It's been It's been through God's grace and working these steps that have helped humble me. Um, not a humble person to begin with, but um, through God's grace and working the steps that has helped me. And I don't, um, when I'm sponsoring people and that they think that they can still eat something, I'll say try it. You know, if you pick up, you know, if you're you're eating it and you're staying abstinent, then fine. Um, If you're having trouble, then I suggest that you put it down for 30 days. And And if they won't put it down for 30 days, there's not much else I can do. Um, to help them if they're not willing to, um, you know, attempt to put something down. So um, that's about all I have to say. Thanks, Russ. Thank you, Marie. Next up is uh, Nessa R. Hi. Good morning, Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am recovered in Toronto, Canada. Uh, I'm going to piggyback off of the last share because I I also found out um, in my current journey to be recovered that not only I am allergic to my trigger foods and my trigger ingredients and my trigger behaviors, I'm also allergic to being told what to do. And that's why all the quote-unquote encouragement of people throughout my life never worked, you know starting with my parents and my friends, my doctor, then my husband, you know, all those things didn't work because I didn't think that I had a problem. I mean, of course I was fat, but, you know, I was just, you know, uh, it was a food thing. It wasn't a, a serious thing. And so I needed to be convinced that I did have a problem and I had to convince myself, and this is a good thing. It's a good thing that we have to diagnose ourselves. You know, this is the only disease where the patient has to diagnose himself. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, this is also a disease that tells us that we don't have a disease. Um, But, you know, the reason it's important is because in order to get there, I have to reach a level of desperation, a level of pain where I am willing to do whatever it takes. And if I am not ready to do whatever it takes, I'm not ready to do this program. 
You know, I've had people who tell me I cannot conceive of a life when I will never have chocolate again. And so if I'm still saying that, then I'm not ready to recover. Um, so the pain implied in that self-diagnosis is so key, uh, not only because it gives me the impetus to, to, to put the food down, you know, 100%, not 99%, not sloppy, not almost, but 100%, and then do the work. I and mean, this is rigorous work. I mean, this is, you know, if it was easy, everybody would be recovered. But it is not easy, and it, it requires a lot of perseverance. It requires commitment. It requires dedication. It requires time, uh, um, focus, and attention. And if I am not at that level of desperation, then, um, you know, sorry, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do the work. I'm not going to put the food 100%. I'm not going to be painstaking about, about the steps. Um, you know, this is why, you know, my first nine years in a way, I never really got anywhere because, you know, I was suffering from like low grade misery, you know, kind of like a dull headache that you think it's going to pass and you don't take any, any Tylenol. Well, I had to get to the level of a migraine in order for me to recognize this is not going to pass on its own. I thank you. I have to do whatever it takes. And it starts with a self-diagnosis driven by desperation. And I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Nessa. Before we bring up Seneca, just let you know where we're at. We're in more about alcoholism. Page 31, the third paragraph. We do not like to pronounce any individual ending if you get a full knowledge of your condition just for that paragraph. And although uh, you're, you're up, Seneca. Can I be heard? Yeah. Good morning, my tribe. Uh, this is Seneca. I am known lovingly from my, my, my tribe is Harriet. And the reason is because Harriet Tubman said, I would have freed more slaves if they only knew that they were slaves. I am a compulsive overeater and Navy veteran. So if my share from the heart includes profanity, forgive me, take what you need and leave the rest, honey, because it's real and it's about to get real. We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic. Everybody else's business, that ain't my business. If I mind my business and keep my bit, my eyes focused on the road, I'll realize quickly that I'm fucking doomed because I am that compulsive overeater. The casket will close around me, and inside of it will be pizza, dessert, and all the foods, you name it. And I'll be satisfied only while I'm stuffing my face. My disease grew. My disease grew. It shapeshifted. I heard that only because I dialed in to this meeting. And she knows who said it recently, and I'm, it gave me life. Dare my sponsor to say, what if I'm going through as necessary? I wanted to say, bitch, are you crazy? Why the fuck would God, higher power, Allah, whoever in this universe, want me to go through this? I, you mean, I was the person hosting meetings. What the freak? Yeah, hosting meetings because your butt is a compulsive overeater, and I have to hold on to this thing. Health problems. 
drag me down. Yes, guess, I guess going through it, I had to grow through it. I, I've had a major surgery this year, golf ball-sized tumors on my uterus, and I didn't, couldn't get sleep, and I didn't know why I had to go through it. And guess who was my friend? An extra serving, an extra spoonful, and then next thing you know, I was off to the freaking races. And it was my tribe that called me, that texted me, emailed me, where you at, girl? I ain't seen you. What's going on? And I'm like, damn, why wouldn't I want to talk to them? The phone was my friend. That's why. Why I couldn't snap out of it. But you know what pissed me off the most was I was like, God, why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to grow through this? Because there is a God, and I'm not it, and he knew that Harriet was going to rise up to tell y'all the truth, the truth that Food is out to kill me. And, yes, while I was doing those meetings, that thing was growing. And it shape-shifted into self-pity. Self-pity me? A Navy veteran, a former officer in the Navy, have self-pity? I don't even know what that was in my former life. No. Thank you. Without a parachute. And I thank you so much for this meeting that I can express that to people that understand because I don't have to diagnose you long as I'm minding my business diagnosing me. Thank you so much. And that's my share. I'll pass. All right. Thank you. If we could uh, keep a sense of decorum, please come up in the future. Thank you very much. All right. Next up is Barbara. And followed by Anne-Marie Kay. Good morning, everyone. Well, I'm going to stick to what we just read. Um, and it talks about going out, the Marty Mann test, going out to the nearest ballroom. In our case, it could be the donut shop or the 7-Eleven or the Burger King and trying some controlled eating. Maybe they can do it, but I haven't seen it with my own eyes. I suggested it once, just once to a person. And she said, yeah, I can do it. And the next time I saw her, she'd gained 200 pounds. So I don't want to do it because I don't want to get the taste again. I don't want to get the craving again for those foods that are killing me, that were killing me. The, the fast foods, the greasy foods, the sweet foods, I want to be separated from them. And so while some, for some people it could be true and they could leave and God bless them, but I know it can't be true for me because change is not compatible for me with pride. And that growth does not happen in a state of arrogance and know-it-all superiority. The changes that are taking place in me who practice this program involve the total change in my personality, my thoughts, my emotions, and God knows I've got to be abstinent from the foods that were killing me. The way I see myself and other people, these transitions require a willingness to let go of all of those ideas. I can't trust Burger King. I can't trust Dunkin' Donuts. I can't trust me without a higher power to go to every day. 
So I say this serenity prayer and I read the acceptance page on four seven found on page four seventeen in the fourth edition. And my compulsion to overeat is arrested daily, one day at a time. My defects are being removed slowly and they come back again. I can't deny it. So I have to go to God every single day. And if I'm not in the obituaries, I say, God, come down and have a cup of coffee with me and tell me what you want me to do today to be a better person and stay away from those Dunkin' Donuts. Marty Mann might have had it right for some people, but not right for me. So you do what you got to do, but... For me, I'm just going to live because I want to, and I can't die with this disease if I'm not going back to Dunkin' Donuts. Thank you. I pass. Perfect timing, Barbara. So next up is Emory K, and then Barb W, and then we'll get another list. Star one, Anne-Marie. Now? Yep, I hear somebody. Okay, great. Anne-Marie K, Pennsylvania, recovering, recovered, covered hospital reader. And um, thanks for everybody doing service and everybody uh, that speaks my language. Um, you know, I remember my last binge. It was in February of 2021. And, uh, I came through these doors, and I'm 69 now, and I came in when I was in my 30s, and uh, I certainly wasn't going to be honest about uh, walking the walk, that's for sure. Honesty has always been my problem with my addiction, and um, I had my last binge with a friend, and I remember thinking, I can't stop, you know, sugar, flour, and butter. And boy, oh boy, it was really bad. So I, you know, decided after somebody said, why don't you go back to, to pay and weigh? And I did. And after my normal MO, I lost five pounds and immediately binged because I thought I was normal again. You know, the old twist of the mind thing. But no, no ability to recognize the allergy. And um, I remember I had stopped down to buy some legal food for my diet. <laughs> and I... Um, saw some, some things that the uh, Amish make, and I said, oh, hey, I have points for that. I can eat some of that. I'll take it home. Well, it never got home, as we well know. So that controlled eating was, you know, obviously it. Something happened that time, though, and within days I was in LA finally ready to surrender. And I, you know, I can remember so many times people would, I had a friend at one time, we were having a dinner party, and she said, man, you eat a lot, don't you? Boy, that pissed me off. How dare she tell me, watch me eat. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a compulsive eater, and there's no doubt about it. I'm an addict. When I have my, my drug of choice, man, I'm gone to the races. And I will sneak, I will steal, I will do all the things I need to to have that food. And I am so grateful for this program to finally be willing to surrender. And, you know, I heard so many people say exactly where I'm at, where I need to look at. Are there some more things that I'm bargaining with? And that has always been my trouble. Back in those 30 days, or back in when I was in my 30s, and I read, you know, page 58, I was incapable of being honest with myself. Heck, I even thought I was the only person who was terminally unique. 
And when I started hearing people say that, I thought, hey, that's my word. So I'm not alone anymore. I love it. I love program. Uh, I mean, I said a couple of months ago that I couldn't get up for vision at seven. I'd listen, but I wasn't getting up because I don't get up at seven anymore unless I, uh, I'm getting on a plane. Well, here I am, folks. So never say never. Never say can't. Just say, Lord, help me today. Give me the power that you have and take away my power because I'm completely powerless. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Next up is Hi, Lord, w. And, uh, I have a special announcement. Uh, Chris Ramon has died. Hold on, hold on, Londa, hold on, hold on. We're not going to be able to do that. We, uh, I still have someone else that has to share, and you're welcome to share. But the meeting, we're not, we're not into announcements. Okay. Next up is Barb W. Barb, star one, please. Good morning. Barb W. Recovered in Illinois, gratefully. So my sponsor, when I was reading through this chapter with her, she said, I want you to, it's more about, more about thinking. So I commenced reading this chapter and I, I launched off more about overthinking. She said, no, 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 no. Thinking. You're thinking. So more about thinking, which leads me to my prayer every day of God, please set aside for me because I can't. Please set aside everything I think I know about uh, fill in the blank. <laughs> There's lots of blanks. There's lots that I don't know. Set, about, set aside everything I think I know. And this morning I was awakened with a prayer on my mouth saying, please set aside everything that isn't. Everything that isn't, everything that's happened in the past, my regret, and everything that I think about the future, you you hear the theme running through thinking, setting aside what isn't. It isn't mine to judge another person's condition, my own. I couldn't judge my own. Being honest with myself, (laughs) I decided, and I'm not a nutritionist. Or, or a medicine person. I decided that when I was addictively overeating that it was my special metabolism, that I just didn't have one. And so it gave me carte blanche to do whatever because I was just so unique. So setting aside what isn't, that's not true. Setting aside what isn't, it's not mine to judge. What is true? Um, what isn't is that I'm a normal eater or ever will be. And setting aside that I'm not the judge of what God is doing in my life, my higher power, whom I call God, as an overeater, as whatever is going on. And so setting aside what isn't, he disposes that underwritten there is to accept what is. I'm a compulsive overeater with the gift of a program and a gift of recovery. All of you on this line, outreach calls. 10 steps, keeping my my compost bin clear so that God can turn it into mulch and use it in lots of ways that I can't even imagine. If I'm busy judging it from today, I, I, it stymies everything. And so setting aside what isn't, accepting what is, which is just today. We, I, I have today. We have today. 
blessings on everyone this day, and uh, I pass with that. Thanks. All right, Barb, thank you very much. The line's going to be open for sharing again. And uh, although we value experience, we have to use them to share it every third day. So um, others should share their experience, too. So a little birdie told me I missed on M from Ireland. So we like to put her up front. And then uh, I could take that. Liz E, scared. UK. Jennifer uh, Liz. Darian K. New Jersey. Jennifer, Jennifer C. And Darian. Drew D. So this is this is probably going to be the list that we need to get through. So it, it it'll be cutting it close. So uh, we might miss Darian. So on M, you're up. And we'll go. Hi, Russ. This is Anne yeah. here, recovered compulsive overeater from Ireland. Thank you so much, and thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for hearing me, Russ. Um, yeah, really grateful for the meeting, and thanks for your service, Russ. Um, yeah, this is about all self-diagnosis, like was shared on the other shares, and you know, diagnosing myself and about honesty. And you know, for me, I had no problem when I came into the program. To um, I was relieved to hear it was a disease, and I was. You know, I had self-diagnosed myself with the food, but the part I didn't have and was revealed to me when I came into program and I didn't like was the part around, you know, this whole thing around defects and how I show up in the world and how, you know, I lived in the bedevilments. Um, and certainly I think, you know, the food brought me into OA and brought me, you know, around this whole idea that there was nothing else that was going to solve my problem. But when I came in and I heard people, you know, share about character defects and, you know, shortcomings and, you know, all about control and manipulation and micromanaging, that was the part I really, you know, walked out and I just kind of thought, what's this got to do with the food? You know, I came in, I felt I came in to get the food under control i felt i yes i had a, a, an allergy of the body no doubt about that you know full knowledge of my illness i knew i had a mental obsession around food but i definitely didn't know i had a soul sickness and to this day this is the part that's that's the hardest and it's that part where you know abstinence is just the key in the door and 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 you know that living a spiritual life and living on you know life on life's terms and being able to show up in the world on different, you know, on a different path. And yeah, certainly for me, I needed a lot of help, a lot of guidance, a lot of, you know, where I had to reveal to myself and to others. Um, and that part where I had to become aware of what my defects were and my shortcomings and how sneaky and, you know, subtle and insidious they were. And, you know, be willing to, to yes, to own them and to take action around them. And, and you know, that, that's the part, that soul sickness, the spiritual malady. Um, and that's why I need the steps. And that's why I continue to need to, you know, live, certainly, you know, putting down the food each day with my higher power and, and taking up the, the spiritual toolkit and living a spiritual life. And, and you know, being willing and open to live an honest, open and free life. But there is work. The price has to be paid. 
and the price is freedom. And, and you know, recovery for me is more about, not just about abstinence, it's emotional sobriety. And, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been abstinent happily, but also living yeah. a spiritual, recovered life. And thank you again, Nelson. Thanks for hearing me at that I've had. All right, on. Next up is Lizzie, followed by Jennifer C. Good morning, Liz Eve Elegant from United Kingdom, England. Uh, my name is, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, available for sponsoring. And thank you, Ross, for hearing me. And thank you for everybody for doing service here today. Oh, I'm just so grateful to get to, to be at a meeting. If you're new, just do that star one and just show up and turn up. I don't know what I'm going to say. I was a bit anxious but I've just asked higher power to speak through me. And um, for me, um, what's this paragraph? Um, absolutely central. It's none of my business to diagnose anybody else. The only business that concerns me is me and my relationship with God and my higher power. And um, But yeah, I was able to diagnose myself um, when I... Um, went to a therapist for some help many years ago now and this therapist said I don't think I can help you you've got an addiction to food and I went what is that a thing and she said yeah here's a book have a read of it and it was about OA and wow that was my that is my story that I read for the first time in my life and I was in my late 40s and I didn't know that this was a thing I'm a nurse. I've taught parent craft. I've taught young mums how to eat healthy, if you ask me to tell you intellectually. But I was, you know, very, very large, um, kind of nearly 20 stone, which I can't remember what how many pounds that is, but it's a lot of pounds. And um, so, and how did I miss that? But that then... Um, but then I obviously tried to do a lot of controlled eating and it was completely fatal. And I did I did that for seven and a half years, slipping, sliding, using that phrase progress, not perfection. Uh, you know, at the meetings I was attending, they were always talking about progress, not perfection. So if you only got half a day of abstinence, that was kind of OK. And it's not OK because I can now understand that I was just trying to do dieting with group support, which is, but today, today I know that I am a true compulsive overeater and that I have this problem and that I, I just have a disease. And like others have said, it's a relief to know it's a disease really, because I just kept thinking it was me. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have enough willpower. Um, so, yeah, but the thing I've been really focusing on this week, and I'm so grateful to my sponsor, and um, is reconnecting with God and higher power. Because things have got out of alignment. I may be re recovered, but I have to work on this every single day. Thanks a million. Bye. Thanks, Liz. Next up is Jennifer C., and it looks like you're going to be our last share for the morning. Darren, you'll hey. have to jump jump on to the second meeting. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Jennifer. Thanks, Russ. Uh, 
Good morning, everyone. This is Jennifer C. Recovered um, in Greenville, South Carolina. So <clears throat> I have a mind that uses a set of lies to get me to use food. Um, and the humbling reality for me is that it doesn't need to come up with new lies. It can use the same lies over and over and over and over. And I'll believe those same lies over and over and over. And then I'll ask myself over and over and over again, how did I end up here again? And that's the reality of my condition. It is the same lies over and over and over again. And I'll believe that I won't believe those lies again, and I'll believe the same lies again and again and again. And one of the things I have to remember about being a compulsive overeater is that I'm going to try and prove that I am an exception. That is literally one of the traits of being a a real alcoholic is that I'm going to spend some time trying to prove that I'm not the real deal. So if you're still trying to prove that you're not the real deal, guess what? It probably means that you are. And I'm going to deceive myself into more and more binging. I'm going to deceive myself and I'm going to resist surrender. I'm going to resist surrender. How long am I going to resist surrender? surrender? I don't know. I don't know. But that's one of the traits of being a compulsive overeater is that I'm going to go through a time of resistance. Resisting the very thing that is going to save my life, I'm going to resist it. And in my case, I resisted it for decades. So, you know, I remember when my prayer became, God, please surrender me. Because I knew that the food was destroying me, and I knew intellectually that surrender was my lifeboat, but I didn't know how to let go. So God, please surrender me. Please surrender me, because I can gather information all day long, but guess what? I lack power, and I lack power to surrender. I have no power. So this peculiar mental twist that I experience where my own mind literally convinces me to abandon my abstinence, even though I woke up this morning and I knew that abstinence was the most important factor to my connection with God, right? So this mind that convinces me that it's no longer the most important thing and I can eat today and get back on track tomorrow, the only power that can replace turning my will and life over to the care and power of food is turning my will and life the care and power of God, a power greater than myself is the food, right? The food is a power greater than me. I need a power greater than the food, and that is God. So God, please surrender me. If you're struggling to surrender, start asking God for that surrender. And with that, I pass. All right. Thank you, Jennifer. Your last share. We thank everyone who shared. Uh, Please Join us for a second hour of unrecorded study immediately following closing. Thank you to everybody that volunteered, did service on this meeting in September. We couldn't have done it without each other. Okay, so today's share ID, Friday, September 30th, 2022, 
7 a.m. 7 a.m. meeting is 19,469-19469. All right. We will now close the reading with a uh, close the meeting with a, a reading from uh, the Big Book on page 164, followed by a Serenity Prayer. Boy and Marianne, please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. This is Anne-Marie M., still in South Carolina, still recovered through God's grace and working the 12 steps of OA. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We may re- we realize that we may only know, we know only a little. God will constantly um, disclose more to us, more to, more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. So see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.